0: Welcome to the third series of my podcast, Beyond the Water Cooler. I'm Lisa. As a psychologist, psychotherapist, and a business owner of It's Time for Change, I'm lucky enough to get involved with so many different aspects of employee engagement and experience. Whether that's about leadership style, mental health, the metaverse, retention and recruitment, after action reviews, or so much more, there is something on this podcast for everyone. My mantra is simple get people right, get business right. You'll get to hear from some really interesting people who have stories, insights and strategies to share about what it takes to be a great company with inspiring leadership, an awesome culture and a wow workforce. So let's dive in. So Emma Browning, Managing Director of Meraki HR Solutions, is joining me today to discuss the role of interviews, state interviews specifically, in retaining staff. So welcome to the podcast, Emma.
1: Thank you, Lisa. Thank
0: and you. I have to say, it's really exciting to be joined by you today because I know you're no longer in my neck of the woods. You've travelled yeah. and you're sitting in a very different place where I normally see you.
1: Yeah, exactly. So although the background is the same, I'm now about 220 miles further north in um the south of the Lake District yes
0: which is very lovely
1: so business is still operating as normal we've got all of our clients in Oxfordshire and sort of London but yes I'm I'm actually based up here now because the majority of our work is being done remotely but I'm still in Oxfordshire one to two weeks a month
2: yeah
0: and that's the beauty isn't it of of remote working and actually absolutely Yourself in your, in your perfect part of the, the country and still carry on business as normal. So, yeah,
1: it's been brilliant, hasn't it?
0: So, you're hugely passionate about prioritizing people, and you're, I know, very busy around um, providing support for companies, attracting talent, and also um, retaining their people that they currently have and developing those people to improve those business results. Um, mm. And I think that's really important. You've, you're very clear about connecting. The reason we're trying to improve people and develop people is for the for business um as the bottom line and I think some people lose, lose sight of that sometimes so it's worth yeah. sort of stressing um part of that process means that you help organizations um to understand what matters to their employees and mm-hmm. what they um those employees would like to see improve
2: yeah
0: before those people decide they want to leave um yeah So that's what we're going to be discussing stay interviews today. Before we get into that, tell me a little bit more about how you came to set up Meraki HR um, consultancy, sort of, um, and I guess, what makes you stand out from the crowd? Because there are a lot of HR people out there. So um, what is it about you that um, makes you a little bit different?
1: Okay. Um, well, if we go back to the first question, which was, um, why did I start it? Um, I'd been in the corporate world for about 30 years. Um, I'd worked for some very big companies that you've probably heard of, like Harley-Davidson in Oxford, so I was HR Director for Europe, the Middle East and South Africa, but also had worked at Porsche cars, um, based in Reading, but looking after a number of their different locations in the UK. So I'd worked with businesses like that, but also local businesses like Oxford Instruments who are much smaller. Um, and actually where I <clears throat> excuse me, where I felt I added the most value was those smaller businesses.
2: Mm. That's
1: where I felt I could really make a difference. And I'd got to a point in my career where actually I wanted to be my own boss. It's something I'd wanted to do for a very very long time. So I made that decision in 2014 and started the business in 2015. But what I think makes us different is, you know, we, we don't have off-the-shelf processes. Mm. Um, every project that we work on, we work with that leadership team, but also with the employee team. So we create, we create our policies, our processes, our way of doing things for each business, for that business individually. And we work not just with management and leadership teams, we always encourage the businesses we work in to get employee involvement, because if you're going to go out and create a new review process, ask the management team and the leadership team, what do they want to get out of it, but also ask your employees, Mm. because otherwise you have that the classic, oh well, you know, the leadership team created our values, they don't mean anything to us, Mm. or the leadership team or the management team created this new review process, but it doesn't. It, I I don't see any value in it. I get nothing from it. Mm. So I think what we really try to uh, kind of differentiate ourselves with is that we really believe in employee involvement um, for a number of reasons, as mm. we've just described. Um, but that we we listen, we listen really well to what our clients want, but also what the employees want, and that's what makes a difference. Isn't mm-hmm. it? If we're talking about employees staying, is getting employee involvement. Mm
0: and I think your you know your relationship with your with clients you know your that emphasis you put on people first and getting to know people really well and working out really what's going on and what's mm. needed um is one of the reasons that you and I work together because yeah, um, yeah we take a similar um approach and I think making sure you're not you know you're not heavily into let's just do lots of processes for the sake of it or lots of yeah you know off-the-shelf stuff um which, is, which means that everything you do, is, I guess, looks slightly different because you're working with different yeah. people all the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So finding by Morgan McKinley earlier this year suggests that 42% of UK professionals don't know what their employer is trying to do to retain them. And I find that quite staggering. Yeah, scary
1: um, fact, isn't it? Yeah, it is.
0: Particularly when you know employers essentially aren't actively making clear what it is that um they're doing to really consciously try and create the best company to for people to work in and which I guess means that they're not really valuing they're not showing the value they put on their current workforce yeah. So they probably do value them um but yeah. they're not communicating that very well I find that really staggering because if they're not doing it their competitors will
1: yeah Well, the the, the smart competitors will. And and it's funny, isn't it? Because I was thinking about this when you mentioned this um, fact to me, because I I wasn't aware of that fact, Mm. actually. But when you mentioned this, I thought, hang on a minute. I wonder if there's an element of embarrassment, possibly. Mm -hmm. You know, do the employers think, oh, I can't tell people I'm really working hard to keep them? Because I don't know, maybe that doesn't seem like an appropriate thing to say to your employees. But my view is, why would you not want to say that? Exactly. You know, why would you not want to, to tell somebody how much you value them and how much you appreciate them? But I know not everybody is comfortable doing that. So maybe there is an element of that. Mm. But you're absolutely right. You know, some of the companies that um, are doing this very well, I think it's purely because of how they communicate it, either to the outside world, So yeah. if we think about recruitment, those companies will have their employer value proposition and they will be shouting it from the rooftops and it will be on their website, it'll be on all the social media accounts, and this is how they attract people. Mm. But then, in terms of how they retain people, you know, people will be spoken with, they'll be told how important they are, they'll be told they're on the succession mm. plan or whatever the path is that. Um, it's going to keep them in the business and they will be communicating that and that sometimes is the only difference is that those companies are doing it really well because they're communicating it externally and internally very very well
0: and I think that's a really good point because some companies will say well we're doing all this stuff you know we are working really hard so we might be nobody knows about it it's not making it's not having the impact imagine if a company made it really clear made this very bold statement that our objective is to be the best company to work for you know we want to be the best organization so actually we're not focusing on the consumer the client we're not focusing on you know whatever we're manufacturing or whatever the process is we're focusing on us as an organization being the best can possibly be for you guys to work here it's like wow yeah
1: absolutely and and it's, and it's funny isn't it because I think a lot of employers are doing that um and when we go and work with employers and they're struggling to attract mm. people to work for them we sit down and we talk to them and we ask them about what they're offering and I said yeah but you you're not saying this anywhere
2: no you're not
1: saying it on your website you're not saying it in your job ads you're not saying it in the interview process mm. why are you hiding your light under a bushel mm. um you know there are lots and lots of you know smaller businesses who are doing fabulous things they're just not telling
2: yeah. people
0: about yeah. It. yeah and then I guess there are some companies who are not doing as much as they could be or perhaps are putting lots of effort in but are missing the mark because essentially mm. they don't know what's going on and companies are saying that they want to be you know they want to provide a great work culture and they want to, the experience mm. of their employees to be really positive but unless they're asking the questions about what that particular experience is like right now they're Mm. basing that on assumptions they're basing on that what perhaps they're observing rather than actually what's really going on and it reminds me of um, a conversation uh, I had with Rob Smedley um, which uh, again for another episode of this podcast um, about after action reviews and it's that sense of you know an after action review happens after a particular project and you're saying, like, what was the experience of the people on the team? You know, what worked well, what didn't work well? What could we have done better? And it's like a snapshot in that moment of that particular project. And I just think, well, why, why do people not use the AAR process for just saying, right, let's just review what this three-month period has been like? It doesn't have you around a mm. particular project. Let's just have every three months, or whatever your um, duration is going to be, let's just stop and say, what are we doing really, really well? What do we need to shout about? What do we need to tweak a little bit? It's just that whole yeah. ongoing review, isn't it? Ongoing development. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think that it's continuous improvement for me. Yeah. And having worked in an organisation like Hawksford Instruments, who were really, they were fantastic at all of that. Um, that's been deeply ingrained into me, not just from a, a work perspective, because that was very much what the manufacturers, um, the manufacturing and the engineering teams did. Yeah. It was also what the HR team did. Mm. Uh, So I was very lucky to be exposed to that very early on in my career, and that is definitely my mindset. I always believe things can be done better, differently, more efficiently, Mm. um, you know, and that applies to HR and it applies to business.
0: Yeah. So let's focus a bit more on state interviews. Mm -hmm. Many people think that they're a one-to-one conversation that tries essentially to convince an employee that's Mm -hmm. about to walk out the door to stay.
1: Um, a bit late to do that it's a bit late isn't it and I think that's where we need to
0: kind of correct that myth um yeah from what I understand and you'll be able to fill us in actually they're most effective when they use the people who are not going anywhere they're staying and they're performing really well and and essentially it's finding out what what keeps them coming back each day to work tell us a little bit more about how stay interviews and, and why stay interviews are used
1: yeah so I think you've hit the nail on the head there for me to me it is about having a really good quality conversation um I wouldn't just say it's with people who are performing well I Mm. think that's important but I think it should be a cross-section of your employees Mm. Um, because if you're just focusing on the high performers you might not identify problems that might be happening elsewhere so to me it's about a cross-section of employees a really good conversation Helping you understand what they love about their work, but also asking some really difficult questions, perhaps about what isn't great about work and the job itself or about the environment. Um, And it's also about asking them some um, pretty tough questions. Um, For example, my favourite question is, when was the last time you thought about leaving? Mm -hmm. But that has to come at the right moment.
2: Mm.
1: um you know so timing is everything as they say in comedy and it's true in HR and if you're going to ask those killer questions it has to be at a moment when that person has gained trust with the person who's asking the questions and you know that they're talking openly and candidly with you but it's amazing because I I know that I've shared some of those questions with my clients they're like oh, you can't ask that you can't ask, you can't ask that question I said but why not do you not want to know the answer oh they won't they won't answer that question they definitely won't answer that question trust me everybody answers that question and their answers vary from oh gosh well actually last week
2: Mm. okay
1: what was what was it about last week that Mm. made you think do you know what I don't want to be here anymore and then you get into all of the well actually it was this project or it was this person or it was this process and I'm fed up because we been going on about this process for months nothing changes this is where the really interesting information comes out Mm. Um, but it's knowing when is the right time to ask those what i call killer questions Um, so yeah it's a really good quality conversation but with a wide group of employees and what you're then doing with that information you should be doing with that information is looking at so say you i don't know say you've done stay interviews with 10 or 20 people needs to be a good proportion so that you're getting an accurate mm. um, some accurate data back you'd analyze that data and then you would be presenting it back to the business to say well these are the key themes or these are the key issues we've identified so you're not necessarily identifying the people although they will know mm. who has had a stay interview what's more important is what are the key themes that are coming out of that? Mm. And what can we do to rectify that? Mm. Sometimes they're business issues and we can't offer any recommendations because that would be down to the business. Mm. But we would be encouraging that business to look at, well, what can you do? And it's amazing. Sometimes we've had these conversations with people and they said, oh, that's really easy to fix. Great, well, how are you going to do it? And when are you going to do it by? Mm. And let's make sure we tell people now that Mm. this is what you're doing about it. Mm. Sometimes they are HR issues and it might be because I don't know people haven't had training they don't feel supported by their manager we might need to work with that manager to help give them the skills and confidence to be having better conversations with their team
2: Mm.
1: so sometimes it's business problems sometimes it's HR problems that come out of those they interview
0: yeah and I think also sometimes when I'm feeding uh, stuff back to leadership teams there'll often be that sense of yeah we had a feeling that was going on anyway or we were we were yeah. kind of questioning that and it almost needs someone's voice to com- of an employee to confirm,
2: to confirm
1: it this is
0: yeah this is now raising a question about do I want to working here to, mm. to up the priority list to say well actually we do need to deal yeah.
1: with this yeah um yeah. so and, and interestingly if you're asking the what was it that made you think about leaving sometimes we have very very different responses and therefore there isn't a key theme yes so we've got to be very specific about that feedback but other times it might be that there is a theme when you've asked that particular Mm. question because Mm. that to me is one of the most important questions we ask you know what what would it be that made you leave but what would tempt you to leave Mm. you know and my clients our, our clients will often say well it's going to be money do you know what it very very rarely is money Mm. it might be number four or five on the list and I know that we're entering into a period now where everybody's very conscious of costs and things are costing us much more money than they were a year ago Mm. so we might see a trend you know that that response may change you know but certainly up until this point money has rarely been the number one Mm. reason why somebody would be tempted to leave it will be relationships it will be culture it will be um development career progression opportunities Mm. not being given challenging enough work here's another one that we hear Mm. Um, i'm bored you know the word just you know the work just isn't stimulating me so yeah
0: and some of those things are to say quite simple to resolve Mm -hmm. and some of them are almost i guess for some companies they feel like a quick fix. Like if it's just money, they want more money. Well, uh, we'll just give them a bit more money. But at some point they're going to run out of that option. They don't have an endless pot. So they've got to be able to say, okay, it's not, even if money does become the number one factor as as the Mm. climate change is going forward, there's going to get to a point where they've reached the bottom of their pot. So they can't keep just saying, well, we're going to give more and more money. They've got to add something else in. But that's the, you know, if if it's culture or communication or relationships, that's always the trickiest stuff, is it? It's not as easy as just put your hand in the pot a bit deeper.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of smaller businesses often worry about is, okay, well, our competitors, uh, you know, maybe you've decided as a business, our pay philosophy is we'll pay market average salaries we can't afford to pay top quarter mm. you totally understand that everything's about affordability um, okay but what are the things that you can do that don't cost a lot of money and this is where hr has to get creative and yeah. think outside the box but yeah. also don't throw money at things that people don't value and don't want exactly And you know and stay interviews and employee engagement surveys they are the things that will help you determine as a business what to spend the limited pot of money you may have on the right thing
0: yeah very well said so what i was going to comment on just now was i would imagine there are some people listening to this thinking well we kind of know what people think Um, you know we already get the views of people through our um sort of engagement or satisfaction surveys Mm. stay interviews are a little bit different aren't they because they're much more collaborative around the conversation how how would you help companies understand that actually they could could have all these surveys in place but actually these Mm -hmm. they're still a place for stay interviews
1: yeah and and i think it's a really good point because employee engagement surveys i i think are really important and they do provide you with some very very valuable data but you're asking one question and you might have you know um Mm. A scale of different responses, depending on how you run your survey. So you might send that out anonymously to people, um, and you might send it to every single person, and you might you know, you might get anywhere from 40 percent of your employees answering it to 100 percent. Mm. But you get data. For example, you might ask a question about, have they got the right tools and equipment to do their job? The answer ranges from, you know one to five. So you know how people feel about the kit that you're providing them with to do their job. But in a stay interview, if you ask that question, you wouldn't get a one to five answer. You would get a, a set of different data from every single person that you spoke to. So for me, it's, it's about the richness of the conversation. Um, if you ask somebody one question and they have a multiple choice answer, you're never gonna get the richness of data That you get when you have a one-to-one conversation with somebody that's the key difference so engagement surveys absolutely have their place and they will give you some very um important data which Mm -hmm. you should act on and this is part of the problem again Mm -hmm. anything you do like Mm -hmm. that it's what do you do with the information you get Mm -hmm. and how do you communicate it back to people what you're doing with it Mm -hmm. but if you have stay interviews it is the richness of the data that you're providing
0: yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that because I think mm. you know one issue I have with surveys as well. Yeah. They're soft really poorly worded. So you read yeah. a question and they're they're really open to interpretation. Um, or mm-hmm. the data that uh the question provides doesn't isn't informative enough. It's not giving enough detail. We you know, with a two-way conversation, it's much easier to unpick. You can get to the root. Yes. Um, and you can ask follow-up questions, can't you?
1: Exactly. If, somebody, if somebody answers something and you think, oh, what do you mean by that?
2: Yeah.
1: You can say, what do you mean by that? In a survey, you don't get that option. You've got your set questions yeah. or however you devise them. Yeah. So you don't have that opportunity to um, necessarily ask people what they mean. And, and they without the that,
2: best. that
0: is the, for me, that's always the critical part which is why I'm not really a fan of, um, I think I actually wrote a blog you know, a couple of years ago about not being a fan of um, surveys because you just miss miss the richness of being able to follow up. We never, mm-hmm. when we're having a conversation, you never just ask one question, get an answer and then move on. Even mm-hmm. in an interview, you want, if there's something you're not quite sure about or there's mm-hmm. something that's a really interesting point and you want to, um, someone to elaborate a little bit more, it makes, it's, it prevents people, almost jumping to conclusions about right well these are the answers therefore this is going to be mm. the solution and actually the solution doesn't fit because that's not really what the person was getting at
1: yeah and that's you know that's why the way we approach our work is is the way we do it. Is we and, and you know this Lisa from the work we've done together mm. we hold we facilitate um employee focus groups for that very yeah. very reason yeah. um you know it's it's about understanding what what employees want and you can't do that um whilst you can get a limited amount of information in a survey you can't get the richness of data you would if you were seeing people in a focus group and have that ability to ask follow-on questions and get everybody's participation it just isn't just isn't the same
0: so are you seeing companies using stay interviews for for a effectively for the intention of we want to actively identify what's not going so well and we want to actively change that to make sure we are mm. doing things better and, and correct those problems or are some people like so many other processes going through the process of doing stay interviews getting on stage and then thinking actually it's still a bit too much like hard work, uh, or it's not yes. quite. It's not yes. quite up, up as yeah. as high a priority as other things. How what How are you seeing them actually being used?
1: um I would say we have uh, a number of our forward thinking clients mm. who are using them and have been using them, and it's interesting. So we introduced them as a concept into our business in 2020 and mm. the reason for that was COVID mm. because at the very beginning of COVID and I think you and I even talked about this mm-hmm. I said this is gonna change how we work forever and I put something out on LinkedIn and people come back going, we'll be out of this in a month or we'll be out of this in three months well no we weren't but I also said you know if, if you think about the fact that we were allowing people to work from home I knew that once you'd allowed people to do that once there would be a huge justification for, well, why can't I continue to do this? Mm. But just like, so the reason we introduced it at the time was around attraction and around retention of people, because you know that when people are going through a huge amount of change, people are potentially going to think, well, do I still want to do this job anymore? Do I still love the company I work for anymore? So we had a couple of clients who at the time jumped on the stay interview. I don't want to say bandwagon, but jumped onto the idea and we've been doing it with them. So we look at the number of employees they have and over the course of a year, so we've done it in 2020, 2021. So we're now into our third year of doing it with some of our clients and they are using that data and they are acting on it. And as a result, their turnover figures have come down. Mm. So I absolutely believe that they work. Uh, but it's like anything in this world you will have lots of businesses who we've been doing exit interviews with for years Uh, and we present the data to them and i absolutely know they will do nothing with it yeah that is their choice so an exit interview is well i'm going so that person um will be incredibly honest and incredibly open Uh, um and they will identify problems, and we will see the key themes coming in every exit interview that we share with them. But I know that certain people just won't do anything with it because they don't think it's a problem. They think it's because they're leaving that they're saying it. Yes. Okay, well, if they were, if they then adopted stay interviews and people were still saying the same things that they're there, my honest opinion is. That type of client will never do anything with that information anyway. Yes.
2: Yes. So uh,
1: to go back to your question, I think you have to understand that if you conduct stay interviews, you've got to you've got to communicate to your team why you're doing them, which is a Mm. bit like this is something we're going to do because actually it's really important to us Mm. that we value our people and we want you to stay so when we get the data what we will be doing is sharing with you without breaking confidences these are the themes that came out of it and this is what we're doing about it.
2: Mm. If you
1: don't communicate that information back people will think well what's the point why did I have this hour or two hour conversation with Emma that was a waste of time. Yeah. Um, and secondly you know they've got to see some action because mm. if, if they don't then it is a waste of time it really is a waste of it well it undermines why you're doing it and people just think oh it's 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 a tick box exercise you know so i really think it depends on the business and their approach to it i would like to think that the clients who have done it with us um did it because they are forward thinking Mm. we explained that it's really important don't please don't do this if you're not going to act on the results Mm. because that will undermine the process and people will not see it as important Mm. um the clients that have done it have seen really positive uh impact on their turnover
0: what about then companies who are not very um who don't have that very positive culture who are who don't foster psychological safety um, Mm -hmm. that allows people to speak up honestly and, you know, not be sort of condemned for whatever they say. Um, Because I think with, with stay interviews, people have got to feel safe, obviously, to be able to speak tell the truth and make suggestions. Um, But that almost then relies on honest, trusting, open dialogue, being part of the norm. Are you seeing... Or, or perhaps some companies who aren't, um, don't foster in a psychologically safe climate and so on. Perhaps they're just not engaging with stay interviews. Is, how are you, are you seeing some, some having a go at it and then it's not working because they don't have the kind of key fundamentals in place?
1: Well, it's really interesting because we did do them with a client. Um, and their view was, so they, they really liked the concept. So they wanted to try it. Okay. So we started to do the stay interviews. It was really interesting because the MD, CEO said to me, said, I don't think you'll get anything from anybody. One of our problems is people don't talk. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't tell us anything. So um, we had a week of, so we literally went in for five days and we did a stay interview with every single person in the business. Small business, 45 people. But we did that over the course of about 10 days. Anyway, long story short, we couldn't get their people to stop talking. (laughs) So his view was nobody talks in our business, Mm. but they desperately wanted to talk. Mm. Um, We came up with an action plan. So we had um, themes, we had identified the key themes. We got a whole program of work and the client got really scared and really worried, I think because actually the bigger issues were with the leadership team. Mm. So what has turned out to be stay interviews has actually turned out to be a, prop, prop, a program to help the leadership team develop their skills, develop their confidence as leaders and managers of people, because mm. that was the biggest issue. Um, Gosh, you know so where, their people wanted to really talk uh, about that.
0: It really reminds me of a project that I did um, with an organisation going back a long time way before i set up this company and um and this is a very similar story actually that the the leadership team who engaged with it thought that actually essentially uh all the issues that came up were going to be about all the employees below the leadership team that they need to do things differently and then when all the um when the data came out to show that actually it was fundamentally stuff that the leadership weren't doing very well it mm-hmm. was almost that kind of they they stopped and almost looked quite shocked, like wow, this is actually coming back to us. And at that mm-hmm. point, they decided they didn't want to engage with it because mm. they didn't they didn't want to accept that responsibility and that sense of mm-hmm. well, actually, we've got to change. It's almost like it was all their problem, and it really created this divide between the leadership and and their employees. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we were very much seen as the bad guys going in and kind of opening their eyes to this. But then the reality is that was an organisation that staff were very quickly leaving and they couldn't, yeah. they couldn't get out quick enough. Well, they,
1: had, yeah. they have high turnover of staff. But what's been interesting is, you know, this is, this is where I think a good consultant knows their limitations. And I said, actually, yeah. I think what you need is some real leadership coaches. Yeah yes that's not me that's not my area of expertise I can see where we've got issues here I can and and I'm going to recommend somebody Mm. a couple of people that I think Mm. you should talk to so we did the same interviews we presented the data we could help them with some of the work but we couldn't help them with everything no and actually they're now working with a couple of really good leadership coaches they've had some internal training again which has been delivered by somebody else Mm. um so we were able to kind of signpost them to some other people that would help them yeah. with with areas that we just couldn't um that were not in that were not in our, our strengths and and, and and
0: but even then the leadership team has got to want to engage has got to yes
1: to and i don't and what i don't know is you know how that will go because yeah. obviously that's private and confidential yes, between yeah, yeah. them and that person yeah i hope it really works out for them Mm. Um, because they were seeing a huge number of people leaving and that really needed that really needed to change. Um, and yeah, I guess it needs so
0: um, to move forward. It's an interesting question then, isn't it before anyone even starts you know embarking on this process is to for a leadership team to ask themselves the question, whatever comes out and we don't know what's going to come out of these, but mm-hmm. whatever comes out, are we open?
1: I was going to say, are we open that? to hearing it? Yes,
0: and then- are we are we then, open to potentially making changes if that is seen to be helpful even if we disagree and I guess this would be an interesting one if as a leadership team if we don't agree but actually the common theme coming out from a, you know the majority of our employees is saying mm-hmm. this is an issue how open are we to changing, changing. our you know what we do yes
1: yeah. and that's a really really tough brave questions people for people to ask mm. um and you know the communication the poor communication was between them as a leadership team that was part of the problem mm. is the relationships weren't strong um you know people didn't feel that they could speak openly as a leadership team they mm. felt that was going to be the same with their employees but well their employees were very very happy to talk
2: yeah. Um,
1: but yeah you've got to um, And sometimes it's, it's like anything if you ask somebody for some feedback about you mm as a person you know that's a brave question to ask but are you okay with what you hear Mm. are you okay you know to hear that feedback and are you going to act on it Mm. or are you just going to dismiss it um and it's the same thing isn't it it's you know it's growth mindset versus fixed mindset
0: yeah absolutely you know
1: if you ask that question you've got to be prepared to take on board what people say and do something about it rather than dismiss it and say well they're wrong Mm. because if if they've taken the time to give you that feedback and Mm. that could be anybody your employees a coach Mm. you've got to be willing to accept it and decide what you're going to do with it
0: yeah and I think it's almost you know there's a lot of courage for leaders now to just say look we want to check we're going in the right direction because we have set it all out before and we've been operating this particular way for however long, Mm. but there is so much change going on. We want you to help us shape it. And when I see leadership teams do that, um, they have phenomenal results. But, but again, I was talking to a friend of mine last week, who's just taken over leading an organization and she is so open-minded. I have huge respect for her. Um, she's so open-minded in terms of well I want to I know where I want to take the organization but I want everyone to tell me if they think I'm on the wrong wrong, you know wrong direction Mm. um, or I should you know do something slightly differently I want them to tell me and if the majority agree then I will be changing direction and at the moment her uh, organization her employees aren't necessarily believing her because they have they haven't had that experience in the past from her predecessors so it's, it's there's a lot of all this works on that sense of trust and it's just starting I guess with smaller steps um mm. and almost dipping your toe in and just having a go um and even if you just change one thing there's an outcome from a stay interview you don't have to change everything and just say we're going to start with this there's been lots mm. of feedback we're going to start with this and just choose something that feels safe mm. and then move on to the next thing and the next thing yeah.
1: And I think the other thing as well is sometimes whether it's a stay interview, whether it's an employee engagement survey or an exit interview, sometimes it's about saying, actually, one of the things that came out was this, and actually we can't do something about that. And mm. this is the reason why. Yes. Because you may not be able to act on everything,
2: yeah.
1: every bit of information that you have as feedback. Mm. You know, and there may be very valid reasons for not being able to act on it might be that from a business point of view you just can't change that process but Mm. there's a very fundamental reason why Mm. but people don't understand it yes so so to me you know it's being brave enough to say we can't change this and this is the reason why and people might not like the answer but at least they understand Mm. why you can't um
0: is communication and information is always top one of the top factors getting in the way of a company Their culture being able to work well and feel positive. Absolutely. And actually, that point is such a good point you've just made in terms of a leadership team is not going to be able to change everything, and they shouldn't change everything if it's in the best interest of a business. But they need to communicate that because if they don't communicate that the why a decision is has been made and the why we do something like this.
1: Yeah they don't understand.
0: And the why they're going to their imagination is going to fill it all with all sorts of well they just want to make our lives difficult or what you know there's their own narrative and that is when mm. we have the problem because people start being resentful and so on rather than
1: okay I I'm get. frustrated. Yes. Because you know they feel in you know they feel in the dark, they feel left out. Mm. Um oh, well we didn't think it was worth telling people about that but why? you know, so I think almost sometimes what you have to agree is what do you want to hear from us? What do you want to know and understand? And then we can make sure our communication uh, fits with what it is you'd like to know more about. Yeah. Um, and that's often where the biggest gap is. You know, it's like you say, it's people often say, oh, well, communication in the company is really poor. Okay, well, what do you want to know and understand from the company? And then let's actually yes. make that happen.
2: Yeah. And, and it's, if
1: it's... we can't tell you that, you yeah. know, we'll tell you why we can't tell you
0: exactly. There's always the yeah. why we've got to just explain yeah. There's got to be a, some explanation, yeah. at some level. Yeah, yeah, agree more. Yeah. So, if some companies are still thinking, well, maybe you know, our stay interviews right for us? Mm-hmm. Um, then I guess they can ask their own questions around, well, what is their staff turnover like? Um, what's their performance data like? What's their attendance like? And so on, and start to actually look at, have a clear a picture about what's going on in their company some companies might feel safer to do something that is more anonymous first like a survey if they yeah. if they haven't got any data so they might feel safer you know just getting some um some data in that they can use um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: with the caveat of actually you're not going to have all the depth that we've already discussed but that people might open up a bit more or i guess potentially if people are a little bit anxious about it or anxious about people opening up to people already in the organization to those I guess at the HR people or leaders actually that's a good point who would do the stay interviews then they could get a third party in like yourself. so mm-hmm. who is best placed to carry out stay interviews?
1: I do think that depends on the organization because smaller organizations may not have an HR function they may have HR reporting into Finance or somebody else. I think the most important thing for me is, as a business, think about who is going to do it first of all, um, so that you choose somebody who people trust um, is going to be impartial. It's not going to be, it's not going to prejudge what people are going to say. It's not going to twist what they say to suit their agenda. Mm. So I personally think it needs to be somebody trusted. Um, that doesn't have an agenda is going to be impartial and not prejudging, but also has the skill to be a really good listener. Mm. Because you know, this is about really listening to what people are saying and being able to respond based on what somebody's told you. What's the next question that you ask? And mm. sometimes it isn't always written down on a piece of paper in front of you. Mm. Um, so whilst you might have got a template and you may have agreed you'll say interview questions with somebody like ourselves um the the person actually having that conversation is it has got to be a really skilled listener and questioner and able to take notes all at the same time and that's you know it is a skill to do that Um, it is so so maybe somebody might have a background in coaching for example Mm. because a coach will have a model that they go through but they'll be able to flip between that model mm. because it's just so natural and set of nature to them mm. um they don't need to have the set of questions in front of them um otherwise it can sound very scripted and yeah. very formal and very awkward yeah. if you're not making yeah. it conversational
0: yeah I think I mean you've hit the nail on the head there because with anything like this you have to have the right relationship um And it can be someone who is a complete stranger going into the business. So it's not a relationship in terms of you need to have worked this person for ages. It's about how quickly can you develop rapport and how good is the person leading that conversation at helping the other person relax and
1: feel comfortable. uh,
0: Yeah. and, And actually enjoying the process of being able to talk openly. And that sense of I'm not, you know, it always fills me with dread when I talk to um managers or uh people I help a lot around helping them have conversations with people with their teams and I always have to reiterate this please don't have the you know whether it's not perhaps not a clipboard these days but don't have something that feels like a clipboard and you're there because you've been told to go through this process because it's just not going to work on any level you're going to feel really awkward and actually if you feel awkward that completely comes across. So you've got to be really aware of your non-verbal communication. Your yeah. how open are you? How smiley are you? How much are you sort of nodding at me and goodness You know that sounds tough. And and actually just being able to summarize or reflect what someone's saying and just show that you're hearing rather than sitting after silence waiting for them to finish, writing their answer down and then ask the next question. It's a real yeah. art, isn't
1: it? What I mean, it, if if an interview sounds like a script. if this kind of conversation sounds like a script um that person's just going to sit there all rigid and formal it needs to be conversational and there is a real skill in whilst you may have got set questions Mm. and you may have an order that you want to ask them in Mm. um you've got to make that come across as very natural so that person relaxes they open up and they and it feels like a conversation and they you know they come out of that going oh I really enjoyed that I felt like you know I was able to you know share all of these things with Emma or whoever yeah. and it didn't it didn't feel like a process that I was going through
0: so they so a company effectively might have someone who's really well placed to be able to do this anyway they've got those skills yeah if they haven't they could get someone like yourself in mm-hmm. do you also train people within the company to skill them up in terms of those communication yeah.
1: skills and so on yeah So we are actually doing some training with uh, a leadership team at the moment, actually, to help them become coaches
2: um, and
1: to help their managers become coaches. So as a trained coach myself, that's training that we do deliver and that we feel very confident and comfortable Uh, with. You're not going to make people coaches with one training session. This is about practice um, and then we often go in and we support those managers or those leadership teams mm. on a regular basis to keep developing those skills mm. um, because if you understand the basics of training, uh, sorry, if you understand the basics of coaching as a principle, I think that can really help you as a manager to develop those really good questioning skills. Yeah,
0: Yeah. in any, ro- in any part in any, of any role,
2: yeah.
1: Well, and also I often say to people, you, may, you know, you may think you don't want to use this at work, but actually if you've got children, it's a brilliant skill with children. a partner. A partner. <laughs> I was going to say my partner now knows when I'm coaching him. Um, and he's like, oh, you're doing that coaching thing again. Stop it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's useful in so many yeah. different sizes. Yeah. It's an amazing skill to have. If you can develop that questioning and thinking on your feet, but responding having listened so to me it's about really good listening skills and really good questioning skills and being interested you've got to be interested you've got to build that rapport as you said Lisa yeah
2: Um,
1: and that can be done with somebody that you've never met before
2: exactly
1: Um, and it's something that I you know without blowing my own trumpet that's something that I feel I can do really well with people that I have never met before um and that's why it works yeah Yeah.
0: you 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 do I mean you do having worked with you and seeing you work with a number of people you are very good at that rapport and that building that trust very quickly and um you know we can't we have to put enough value on that we have to put we have to really understand the difference that makes it's not people just being smiling being nice just for the sake of it. actually as part as a conscious part of who you need to be and how you need to be when you're working with other yeah. people
1: and it isn't natural to everybody no it's you know, it's, it's natural to you in your yes. role and it's very natural to me yeah. but I think as a business you have to recognize that you will have people in yeah. your business that just will not be able to do that mm. and I would say don't force them to be that natural yes. rapport building person there will be somebody internally yeah. that will be able to do that but yeah. they may not want to do it yeah and and that's why you know you bringing experts whether it's you whether it's me or somebody else you know to do those things that's what they're good at um and then you can rely on them to do that really well
2: I
0: think that's a really good point about do not have a blanket policy that all managers are going to do these day interviews with their teams or however it might look because that is just it um, could go so wrong oh my goodness and it just does because you are not going to have every manager being really competent. And actually you also need, if you're going to start um pulling together all the information um, to, to identify themes and yeah. to look at one set of data, you've got to have real consistency between the different people who are conducting those interviews. Yeah. Otherwise you have such variation that actually when you pull the data together, you're fine to stuff day. that doesn't really combine. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm interested, Emma, to know what are some of the best
1: questions oh, that people okay. can ask in a state interview. Okay, well, I'm not going to give away our trade secrets. No, people, don't. Obviously, but <laughs> I think there are some very generic um, questions that are really good questions to ask. Hmm. Um, and they may seem really obvious, um, but they may be things that you just don't ask your people um, so one of the things I would always want to ask is what do you look forward to at work every day so it's diving writing getting into the heart of what motivates and excites that employee about their roles their working environment and their work life so that's a good starter for 10 what do you look forward to at work every day um, and the flip side of that is what do you dislike about your work okay because if you're asking the positives you've got to ask The Mm. negatives as well Mm. and again you know the goal of that stay interview is not only to figure out what your people like about working for you but also to uncover any of those niggles those things that just annoy them irritate them Mm. that could compel them to look elsewhere for employment because those little niggles if they're not dealt with actually become huge big boulders Um, and that's when potentially people start to think about looking to work elsewhere and obviously, if you have this information before they are tempted to work elsewhere, you have that opportunity to resolve, you know, the problem. Mm. Um, another one that we really like using is what do you think about the ways that we recognise and reward you as an employee? And it's, it's interesting because 37% of employees answered that they valued employee recognition above everything else in this one country in this one company mm. but they didn't know what their companies were doing to value and recognize them which goes back to your mm. your point with it mckinley yeah yeah that? yeah it's a big yeah. disconnect isn't
0: it Leaders yeah they're doing yeah. this on the ground they're just it's not that's not yeah. The
2: experience.
1: yeah and i think for me keeping hold of your people you need to recognize them in a way that resonates with that person mm. so you know what might work for joe blogs might not work for john blogs Um, or Sarah blogs so asking this question in a stay interview can help you to understand um, whether your employee recognition program is working Mm. and how to perhaps identify different ways of valuing and recognizing Mm. your employees achievements so I think that's another good question Um, and let's have a I think another one for me last one for me then would be how do you feel about the training and development that's being offered for you? Um, so, you know, no one wants to become stagnant in their role. Um, so, I think it's also about outlining career paths, what opportunities that person has. Um, it's impl- important to make um, employee development a central aspect um, mm. of what you do. Now, not everybody wants to be developed. But for those that do, you know, how do you how do you make sure they're getting the development that's appropriate for them and their role? Mm. So, you know, it's a it's a known fact from a turnover perspective that if you can give employees that want the development, um, the mobility within your organization, even as a small business. Um, to move into different roles or to develop further skills, they're likely to stay with you twice as long mm. as as companies where they're not getting those development opportunities or opportunities to, you know, may, maybe move sideways rather than just move upwards. And, of course, um, when
0: you've got those sorts of opportunities, um, you know, for example, having that mobility within your company so they, they recognise your strengths and um, are supporting you on, on your uh, development journey it impacts on so much doesn't it? it's not just that employee staying with you but it's about your um the company brand you know so it's about your it's the it's what everyone else gets to know your business for so it's not it doesn't stay just internal that person
1: they will talk about it
0: they talk about it like where where are you working now or you're still working there yes because they give me opportunities to do x y and z and i and i think you know i talk so much about joining the dots about you can't have someone just look at your company branding over here and someone you know looking at marketing and someone else looking mm. at your HR bit over here and someone else looking at your well-being over here you have to join all the dots because if you start doing one bit of it right mm. it impacts on the the whole company the whole organization
1: yeah. yeah absolutely and you know you're right people people who are loving their work mm. will talk about mm. it whether that on facebook whether it's on instagram and you know you talked about employer brands mm. your best advocates are going to be your employees so if they're happy their feelings developed looked after yeah. they've got good work like you know all those things we've mm. been talking about um, make them your advocates. Yeah. you know they can do the best marketing for you yeah. and when we talk about you know going into clients and helping them with their attracting people mm. um, that's part of what we talk about you know yeah what can we get your employees to do uh, to help promote you uh, as a great employer so if you're advertising roles you know get your people to share them because you know if a post is shared on linkedin by an employee it's going to get more views than it is definitely. by your hr team promoting it yeah um so it's things like that that make a difference it that make a difference so
0: if people want to find out more about stay interviews um because there's always that temptation that someone will just go Google it and see. You know what are the best. Oh yeah,
1: here's a template. Off we go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Do you have
0: resources that people can check out, or do they just get in touch with you to find out more about the whole process? What's the kind of yeah. good way forward for, for people to to take? I would
1: I would definitely say for them to get in touch with me personally. Yeah. Um. So that's just Emma at MerakiHR.com. Yes, we have got resources on our website. If you have a look at some of our blogs and things, we we did a blog very recently about the value of stay interviews. So that is on our website, on our blogs page. Um, but definitely get in touch with me directly and I'd be happy to have an informal chat with somebody about them and how we can make them work for their particular organisation. Okay. And
0: finally, or nearly finally, what are two, maybe two, maybe one or two or three um, kind of key takeaways that you would be your advice to leaders HR directors Mm. to take from this listen to this podcast and think actually you know what i need to go do this now
1: okay i think at the moment for me the most important thing for businesses is whether they can attract people to work for them because every client that we are working with is recruiting and we know how difficult the recruitment market is at the moment so have if you're a leader or an HR leader in a business, are you comfortable and confident that your employer value proposition is spot on, your employer brand is spot on? Because if not, you are in a pool of probably thousands, and I'm just talking in Oxfordshire. I mean, the last time I Googled how many jobs there were just in Oxford, not even in Oxfordshire, it was over 10,000 mm. just in one, on one day in Oxford. So you are fishing in a very, very big pool, so you've got to stand out. Mm. okay. And if you're not shouting about what you're doing as an employer, as we were saying earlier in our recording, um, you just might be missing some amazing candidates. are looking so what's you know what's your employer brand and yeah your employer value proposition and are you shouting about it so can you attract the best people to work for you Mm. but then the flip side of that is what are you doing to keep them because of the difficulty in finding good employees at the moment you absolutely need to be hanging on to them and if you're not you know, so let's just say your turnover is an average of 10 to 15%, right? That's an average turnover figure for a company. And, you know, some turnover is healthy. You mm. get that. Mm. But, you know, can you afford to lose more than 10 to 15% of your, your workforce at the moment? If you did, what impact is that going to have on your business?
2: Mm. What
1: cost is that going to have to you as a business? Is not just the cost of finding them, it's, you know, you have a gap, don't you? You know, if somebody leaves you, you might have a gap. The cost of that is, you know, the existing team's got to pick up that slack until you find a new person. And at the moment, that's going to take you longer than normal. Yeah. So you're putting pressure on your existing employees who are already working hard, who, you know, are already busy. Um, and if you're not doing those day interviews, that might be a big frustration for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, you know, it's, to me what can you do to attract people at the moment and what are you doing to keep them? Because the cost of getting that wrong is, yeah, yeah, is is a lot, particularly if you're a small business, it's incredibly Mm. um, costly.
0: Fab. So as we wrap up the conversation, a question I'm asking all my guests in this series is what's top of your list personally or professionally for the next three months?
1: What's top of my list, personally or professionally? Mm, Okay, so for me, I'm gonna say top of my list professionally is um, we are looking for somebody new to join us. Mm. I'm gonna get it out there because somebody might listen to this and they might come and work for us. So we're looking for an HR administrator to join our team. And like everybody at the moment, finding it very challenging. Um, so we've had an advert out for oh gosh six seven weeks I think we've had 20 people respond, and I've interviewed all of those and at the moment I've only got one candidate and whilst that I only need one candidate to be the right candidate Mm. I would like perhaps a choice so I am interviewing them this week so number one for me is that we need to add that person to our team because that will make a big difference to our team and the service we can provide to our clients um personally what's my goal in the next three months is to get fit again <laughs> and I say again because like you you know you had an injury yeah. but um I was very very fit fit up until March this year had a back injury That's kind of put me out for about six months but mm. I'm back at the gym and I'm feeling it um because it's only in the last few weeks so my personal goal is to get fit again I don't like being unfit, and I feel very unfit at the moment.
0: Are you going to start open water swimming and some of those lovely? Yes,
1: done it already. Have done it already. Whereabouts? So in Windermere. In Windermere, you've got it all. Yeah, the algae has gone because apparently they have blue algae at certain times of the year. So yes, that has happened. Yes, so it's cold. it's cold um
0: but it is so invigorating so yeah
1: good wetsuit yes I have one thank goodness so yeah (laughs) it was in a wetsuit I hated crowd and it was still cold good okay
0: um right so finally um Emma Rob Smedley Mm -hmm. one of my guests um on this podcast has provided this question for you within business what is the most positive impact that you have made and how accidental
2: was it
1: Oh my goodness! What's the most positive impact I've made? I think the most positive, and this is going to be a really generic answer. That's fine. Me, but I'm going to say I think the most positive impact I make is with my positivity. Mm. Um, because I'm one of those people. There is no such word as can't. There's no such thing that can't be resolved, and I think it's my positivity and my sort of forward thinking that has an impact on all of our clients
2: yes that's a bit of a yes. cheesy
1: answer but, but. You know, I, I genuinely do my job because I believe I and our team can make a difference mm.
2: um,
1: is that accidental um, I don't know whether it's accidental um I think it's just who I am yeah it's kind of in my DNA
2: yeah
1: um you know I was saying a bit about Oxford Instruments but Um, you know that that was me before that mm. um I've always been somebody who always smiles you know no matter how difficult things are you know because we all have difficult things that are going on you know whether it's at home whether it's at work but I go into work and and that is kind of left behind Mm. um well for that you know for those hours that yes, i'm at yes. work and yeah. wanting to make a difference and be positive mm. with everybody um so maybe it isn't accidental maybe it's something i do have to work work at but it feels very natural i'm gonna say it
0: comes across as very natural so it c- could just be something you you happen to be very good at and you now you're aware you're good at it so you utilize that but at some yeah. point it just came about because that's just who you are yeah yeah, Bad. well, you can get your revenge by asking um, a really tricky question for another guest. <laughs> Emma, thank you so much for the conversation today. Um, You have really added so much to what I understood about state interviews, Um, because I know it's a, it's a term that's used a lot. And I mm. think it's very easy to sort of have assumptions about what we think it is really about, why we have them, how to do them and so on. And I think you've done um a great job of just helping people understand how it fits into the the big picture and how it's tied in with um much more than just retention of people but yeah. just about your yeah. culture and your branding and, and so on so thank you very very much for that we're going to put the references that you've um referred to during this such as the blog and so on. we'll put those in mm-hmm. the show notes and your contact right. details so people thank can get you. in touch if they want to hear more
1: Yeah, and thank you for inviting me. It's been uh, really enjoyable. Thank you very much.
0: Pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining me today on the Beyond the Water Cooler podcast. I hope it's got you thinking about how you can make a real difference to company culture that enables people to engage and thrive. I'm always about providing real value and so I need your help. Please rate the podcast and review it to let me know what you have enjoyed and found helpful maybe you also have ideas about specific topics or guests who you would like to hear from in the future if you would like to explore any of the points covered in these episodes i would love to hear from you let's continue the conversation email me at it's time for change or connect with me on linkedin or why not pick up the phone i love to walk and talk my details are in the show notes Please do let me know what inspires you. That way I can make sure what I'm talking about is most helpful. Until next time, bye for now.